we've been teasing our biohacking episode for months now, ever since we were working on another episode and I was sick, on CBD oil, and ketogenic at the same time. Don't worry if you don't know what some of those terms mean. We'll explain later. For those of you who've never heard of biohacking, it's basically experimenting on yourself with the latest medical science in an effort to become smarter, healthier, happier, more creative, and more productive. Sounds great, right? But it can be a bit of a jungle out there, with competing claims and scientific evidence that's hard to read, hard to find, or that doesn't exist. To help us sort it all out, concierge physician Molly Malouf, who specializes in helping people try biohacking techniques safely, called into this episode from San Francisco, where she works, to help us figure out what's worth trying and what's not. Later on the episode, we talk about the research I did on myself, and a couple of staff members try CBD oil, which you can find in marijuana. Hold on to your butts, y'all. We're going deep science on this one. I'm your host, Jacqueline Detweiler, and you're listening to the most useful podcast ever. We have with us here on the podcast, Molly Malouf, who is a concierge physician out in San Francisco who focuses on the health optimization of executives, entrepreneurs, and investors. Welcome, Molly. Hi, great to be with you. Yeah, thanks for joining us. So also in here is Kevin Dupsick and Eleanor Hildebrand, who are regulars on our podcast. And you gave me a lot of advice when I did my biohacking story that was very helpful and also led me in the right direction in terms of finding out what science was reasonable and what science was not. So first question, how did you get into this area of health? Well, I basically was very disenchanted in my hospital job and realized that the vast majority of diseases that I was seeing were preventable from lifestyle. And it was just really hard for me to watch people being doled out drugs and surgery as the only solutions for their problems. So I thought to myself, you know, there's got to be a better way to do this. And frankly, doctors for thousands of years were focused on keeping people healthy rather than just fixing sickness. And what we've developed is a sickness billing industrial complex that isn't about health at all. And so it shouldn't be called a healthcare system. So I thought if I was to build my own practice, what would it be? And it would be a practice that would make people healthier. And the only way that I knew how to do that would be applying the scientific method and first principles of biology to understanding the body and measuring things as I go and reflecting on those measurements and interventions and seeing how things change over time. And I think it's being called biohacking because a lot of people who are not with a doctor like me are doing this on their own. So they're having to go around a system and to get what they want. But I mean, like, I think it's an interesting term, but at the end of the day, I think what I would envision the future to look like would be a system where this isn't going around the healthcare system to get these labs and to get these interventions. It's about a new healthcare system emerging that enables people to learn about their bodies and become healthier and prevent and predict disease before it happens. In terms of the various strategies that people are using, what do you consider the ones that are the most important for health? Well... Fundamental, when I think about health, what is the organism here to do? And we're basically here to adapt and to thrive and to multiply. So fundamentally, when I think about what people want, they want to be attractive so that they can mate and they want to live a long life so they can stay alive. So it's really about survival first and foremost. Can you explain, I mean, I think heart rate uh, variability is fascinating. Can you explain what that is and why that's a marker of stress? Yeah. So interestingly enough, this is something you want to, like, this is like something that's fairly fascinating about biology. When I think about continuous glucose monitoring and the glucose curve, you actually want a curve that's fairly low variability. You want a curve that's smooth. You don't want too many spikes. You want your body to be, you want to steady fuel supply. 
But the opposite is true for heart rate variability. You actually, heart rate variability is the beat-to-beat variation between the heartbeats. And so as your heart rate goes up, your beat-to-beat variation will go down. It'll actually decrease. And as your heart rate is low, which mine is pretty low, about 50 on resting, your body is better able to adapt to whatever it needs to do. Whenever you have a low heart rate, it will change by your breath. It will change by your exercise. And the key is, is that it changes and adapts and goes back to normal. But when you have a really consistently high heart rate, you're basically stuck too high. Like your, your heart rate's stuck too high, and so your heart rate variability is low. It's beating really fast. And so you don't want to stay in that place. You want to keep it low, and you want to keep it variable. So once you find out this information, say you find out how your glucose curve is looking, and you find out how your heart rate variability is looking, what do you change to make those better? Yeah, 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 totally. So this is exactly what I'm doing with the company Sano. <laughs> so there's actually at least at a very minimum 20 different things that can affect your blood sugar. But by far the most obvious one is sugar consumption. Okay. What about feeling guilty because you ate a bunch of candy at lunch? <laughs> is that bad for your stress? Actually, believe it or not, the, the key to actual health is not beating yourself up. It's about realizing that if you're going to your friend's house and your friend is like this, your best friend and you're so excited to hang out with them and like you take two steps forward on the path to that friend's house, but then you take one step back, you don't just stop and go home, right? Like you go, you continue to move forward back to the direction you're taking your life because you want to be, you want to meet your goal and you want to get to where you're going. Recognize that our bodies are naturally designed to follow patterns of feasting and fasting. Like it is totally normal to do this. It's totally abnormal to be feasting all the time. That is what's wrong with our society. Is like, if feasting were wrong, <laughs> then we would all be dead. But like, we're, we feast because we're programmed to feast. What, we, what we're not programmed to do is binge. I didn't like over-consume necessarily. I did eat ice cream and I did walk around a lot afterwards. But, but it's not like I ate a gallon. Like that's not what we're designed to do. We're not designed to binge. We're designed to enjoy a feast occasionally. But we are designed to actually minimize consumption and go through periods of fasting. And I hypothesis at the beginning of the year that fasting would lower fasting glucose because I was thinking, because I was, I was basically tasked with figuring out how to lower fasting glucose for this app. And I said, well, I think it makes sense. So you, yeah. I mean, so like you talk about testing these things and have it taken the scientific approach, but you're a doctor. So you have some idea what the risks are for somebody like me who yeah. hears about different things like this to try. Do you have any advice for how to test sort of test kind of new interventions in a safe way? Yeah, totally. Well, first of all, really... Try to find a good functional doctor, like functional medicine doctor or integrated medicine doctor or open-minded doctor, even a naturopath would be good. People that are actually, that really care about health, find a good doctor who can buy into your experiments and believe that they're going to help you monitor yourself so you don't hurt yourself. So I want to give you some advice about where you're going and why and to contextualize your results and to help you design experiments. Like, I think it's not easy to find these people, but they do exist. And then also, like, I have to admit, the online world is pretty amazing. Like, there are so many message boards on Facebook and on Reddit where people are talking about their experiments and what's worked for them and what hasn't worked for them. And so I think that, like, finding community is really, really key and not doing things in a vacuum. What do you think about this experiment? Do you think this is going to help me? And then also really listening to your body. Like, I did a month-long ketogenic diet experiment this year, and brain cancer or epilepsy. I am so glad um, you said that because <laughs> what I did, you gave me a lot of advice before I tried the keto diet to be very serious and strict and not go above 20 net carbs a day and all that. And I did it. 
and I hated it. I hated it so much. All I did was complain the entire We hated it too. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably because it's throughout your microbiome. If somebody has too much like bacterial overgrowth in their small intestine, it can be really, really therapeutic for them to do a short-term ketogenic diet. But if you have a normal metabolism, a normal gut health, like it's going to starve the microbiome. And you don't want to starve the microbiome. You want to feed your microbiome. And how do you feed it? You give it fiber. The thing is, people don't see it that way. And so they, I just, you would never throw a bunch of meat into a compost pile and expect that to make your garden grow, right? Like, and so I just started eating like ridiculous quantities of like vegetables after I, I finished it. And I felt so much better. Yeah. I've been eating a ton of vegetables and I, I bought like high fiber cereal. Is that there are people that certain brands of fiber cereal are causing people's blood sugar to spike dramatically. You have to look at the amount of sugar in these cereals because there's actually oftentimes a significant glucose load. And so we're seeing people with like, no, I'm gonna... Do any of your patients ever come to you with like interventions or new things they want to try out that you have to advise them against? Because I imagine there's some pretty outlandish stuff out there. Yeah. Are you <laughs> San Francisco. Half the time I have to tell people to stop microdosing research chemicals. Like seriously. <laughs> like guys, like stop buying research chemicals off of the dark web. You don't know what they're doing to you. Oh, oh my God. God. That's crazy yeah. that people would even that's do that. That's worse than yeah. anticipating. Is that not like a weird diet or something? Do you have any advice for anybody who wants to try this today, wants to get started this very afternoon? So I would say if you're going to start with anything, get your omega-3s checked, get your vitamin D checked, get your magnesium checked, and get a stool study done and find out if you have low diversity in your gut, find out if you have low omega-3s, find out if you have low magnesium, find out if you have low vitamin D, and if you have these that are low, supplement, probiotics. Omega-3s, magnesium, and vitamin D are four supplements that across the board I see people need. I think that's what everyone wants with this kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Yeah. It's like, oh, if I could just do this one thing. And what's cool is that sometimes yeah. it is. Sometimes you can. It's about, I mean, that's what I'm working on right now with my practice. It's like, how do I figure out the simplest, most scalable biohacks for people so that they can reach the masses? And it's going to be slightly expensive right now. It's like, right now it's like a pretty expensive Tesla. And hopefully I can get a Model 3 out in the next few years. Yeah. <laughs> Spoken like a true San Franciscan. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for talking to us today and for doing all you do. And Oh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, and good luck to any of our listeners who are going to try it out. Yeah. Cool. Oh, yeah, follow me on drmolly.com on Instagram. Yes, yeah, definitely follow her. You said drmolly.com? D-R-M-O-L-L-Y.co. Dot co. Awesome. Thanks. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Cool, guys. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. It's time again for your favorite segment, Hack Facts. Hack Facts. Hack Facts. Specifically, biohacking facts, which Jackie knows all about. I do know all about, and you actually compiled these for the article. Yes. Yes. So this was a sidebar that went along with Jackie's article. (laughs) This is an abbreviated history of biohacking, so I dug deep (laughs) into the internet. Because obviously the term biohacking, like no one would have been using that back in like the oldest one that I found. No surprise here. It's the ancient Olympics. Hey. <laughs> the athletes who were competing back then, because there's a lot at stake. So I found records from like 300-ish of athletes trying to boost their testosterone by eating sheep testicles. Can you eat sheep testicles? Yeah, it'd be okay. funny to be like, tell us if this is banned, because you should be concerned. I sheep think, testicles. it's like a food. 
Probably, I think it would be like if it's effective or not. Because if that's an effective way to like get more testosterone, then I feel like it would not be allowed. But if you're just like chowing down on some sheep testicles, like go for it. I ate a bull penis once. We know. Yeah. <laughs> I stumbled across that email in my inbox the other day and it's so upsetting. <laughs> okay, side note. I will say one thing that I found while I was researching this is that the line between just like drugs and biohacking is like can be pretty thin sometimes. Uh-huh. So I tried to steer towards like more I guess, like, things that you would do not just for, like, hallucination or relaxation, but, like, because you think it's going to have a specific purpose. Purpose. Uh And usually being more productive with that purpose. So skipping ahead to the 1960s, a psychologist named Corneliu Georgia, I probably did not say that right, (laughs) he synthesized a drug called piracetam, which is the world's first nootropic, which is a name that he gave it. And that basically means a cognitive enhancement drug, which Jackie tested out for this I've story. I've tried out something. That I've heard of this one. 2004. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this one was really cool because this is when you started getting like like hardware involved. It's not just eating shit and seeing what happens. I don't know <laughs> if I can say that. Eating stuff and seeing what happens. A British artist named Neil Harbison, who was born colorblind, implanted an antenna-like sensor into his head. And apparently the sensor translates visible wavelengths into vibrations on the sensor so he could, quote-unquote, hear color. So even though he can't, he's colorblind, he can't see anything, the visual wavelengths, he won't be able to see them, but they'll register in his brain. Yeah. Do you guys wonder how far we are from where some of those things start becoming something that, like, we just do to every baby right when they're born? Right, like... uh, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting to think in terms of, I feel like we're getting way far away yeah. from hashtags and it's turning into like the biohacking part. But no, it's interesting to think in terms of like CRISPR and stuff like that, like what is going to be possible and what we're going to be able to prevent. I think probably preventatives mm-hmm. are going to be, are going to happen before like additive. Well, there's a, so in baseball, pitchers that blow out their elbow, they get the surgery and it's oh, called Tommy, Tommy John, John surgery because it's like the first, that was like the first pitcher I think mm-hmm. who really had it. But there was starting to be some evidence that some pitchers would, like recover and then throw harder than they did before like something mm-hmm. about what the i don't know if it was just like what ligament because i think they take it from someplace else is in your body like, to replace there a it movie rookie of the year maybe oh maybe that is about gets, tommy john surgery i remember it? that movie yeah but so in the last like i want to say only within the last like five or seven years there's been people have started to think that some pitchers where in the past they would have rehabbed they're just like going straight for the tommy john surgery because they're like well i have to heal oh. a little bit and i think i'll throw harder if i get this surgery so uh-huh. starting to come this thing where it's like almost becoming a voluntary surgery right and i've always wondered like if there was some example of that with something that everybody has to do all the time like would we just start like doing tommy john surgery on everyone or whatever the right. equivalent is right mm. if like well if you could replace your acl with like some sort of crazy impossible to break acl that made people faster do we have time for more hack facts? I feel like we're way over. <laughs> we're, we've been going for a while. Yeah. Can I just share my favorite Please, hack please. Story? shave your favorite hack <laughs> This story. is from last year. Okay. So, first of all, I need to read you this guy's name from Australia. His name is Meow Ludo Disco Gamma Meow Meow. That is his legal name. Was fine. meows. Or yeah. not enough. He should just made his name Meow 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 Meow. I mean, maybe. I Gam- don't know. This Gamma. guy sounds so interesting to me. I would love to talk to him. He was fined for traveling without a valid train ticket because he'd basically taken the chip from his past and implanted it in his hand so he could just, like, tap his <laughs> hand instead of, like, fumbling for your card. I mean, especially in New York, we have to, like, swipe something. Like, this is just so much better. Yeah. But even though he was reloading it with money, just like you would a normal card, he got fined for not having a valid ticket, which just seems to be, like, someone... 
someone in the bureaucracy with no sense of humor or vision. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I will not stand for this. I'm sure. I feel like it could be like the train cop that's like, show yeah. me. Can I see your ticket? And he's like, oh, it's actually in my hand. <laughs> yeah. And like, and the guy like feels embarrassed or stupid about it. And he's just like, no, it's not in your hand. And he's like, it is in my hand. And then they like get in this like altercation on the, I'm inventing this right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This actually happened. Like they get a, t- a tussle on the train, and then uh, and then he's like, "I'm finding you," and that's how that happened. I think he went to court, and he had to like, that would be great. Well, that's my favorite hack fact, and that is the future I want for us all. Me too. Yeah, and that's been hack facts. Hack facts. Hold yep. on, I have to say that again. <laughs> and that's been hack facts. <laughs> So this segment is just for me to talk about myself. So I hope you guys are ready for that. That's Unlike the other segments. I'm just kidding. We all just talk hey. about ourselves. Just no, it's all not just you. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that Peter and Kevin are here. What questions do you guys have about biohacking <laughs> well, that I've done? Now that I've biohacking, done I think, is one of these things where it was like, I didn't know anything about it. And then once you started doing the story, and I didn't really know what you're doing. I just knew you were doing a story. Then I started seeing like biohacking places everywhere and in my neighborhood. So I think this is one of the things you did, which I want to ask about. In my neighborhood, there's a place for floating floats or whatever yes, uh-huh. i think it's called next level floats and i definitely walked by it a hundred times and every single one of those times my girlfriend and i were like what is that like root, i root? thought it was root beer floats at first and i realized there's no ice cream <laughs> i got really sad but the last time i walked by which was like a few days ago there's like a sign like a sandwich board on the sidewalk that literally says aren't you curious about this i was like it's pretty good marketing yes, yeah, yes will, i am you will go in that's the thing they probably like set it up so that they're so that you're like floats what could that what could <laughs> they that should, well it's the on two. the second floor too so you can't look and win it's like a bar Root on the first floats, floor yeah. while and floating then, yeah or like one then the other well is that i still don't really know what it is could you have a root beer float while doing it no you wouldn't really i mean you could but like it's, it'd be silly <laughs> wait but why wouldn't you, well, why, you, you why, okay go on tell us what it is you should, yeah what did you floated <laughs> right i did you're float. a floater i'm a floater um that sounds disgusting so floating, the idea is what I went to this place, Infinity Float in New York City, and they were great and gave me a free session. Thanks, guys. And um, that's not why I'm saying nice things about them. But basically, you go in and it's body temperature, it's your skin temperature, it's both so the air and the water are exactly the same. The water has a heck ton of salt in it. <laughs> so when you lay down in it, you can't sink, you float like you really can't. Oh, like when people go to the Dead Sea? Right, exactly. So then you so you lay down in it. The, biggest advice i have actually is do not touch your face do not touch your oh. face do not touch your face because if you get oh, salt so in your salty. eyes then you have salt in your eyes and good luck getting it off do we ever do tangents on this podcast no never that's <laughs> <laughs> never something that happens here i made dinner the other night with a hot pepper that was just called like jamaican hot pepper from oh, the grocery no. store and i thought I hope that I'm smart enough at this point not to touch my eye after cooking. I wash my hands, everything else. We were sitting on the couch watching TV, and I screwed up, and I touched my eye a little bit, and it hurt a lot. Yeah. So I washed my hands 10 more times, went to bed, tried to take out my contacts. <laughs> oh, oh, I think I've done me. this. And they were dying. I woke up the next morning to go to the gym, put my contacts in, and it just felt like my eye was going to burn off. For two days, <laughs> my fingers, I don't know if the oils just, I tried every kind I've of soap. definitely, I did this once with the habanero, and you're not supposed to use soap and water. Yo. I oh, think. Why don't we talk well, more often, there Kevin? there you go. <laughs> well, you should have asked me before you put, your, you should have called me in the morning before you put your contacts back in. Uh, I'll always call Kevin if something crazy happens in your life. Because I did this with habanero, and I had rubbing alcohol. This podcast just got useful. I had a first aid kit in my Jeep, but not in my apartment. So I was, like, cutting and making dinner. And then it burned so bad, I ran out to my car, and I was, like, standing in the middle of the street because I had street parking, like, pouring rubbing alcohol in my hands. Oh, that's so good to know. That's brilliant. I I think milk might work, too, but I don't want to waste milk on pouring it on my hands. (laughs) Vaguely Medical does describe how I think of many of these (laughs) things. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, like, 
saunas. I've, I did an infrared sauna, which I didn't mention in the story, but really liked, actually. What is the difference between that and a regular sauna? So regular sauna, the air temperature is what is hot. <laughs> the air temperature is what's hot. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I don't – personally, I know some people love them. I don't because I feel like I can't breathe. Yeah. I'm too hot. It's and I, I can never last long. They're like, stay in for 20 minutes. And it's like five minutes. And I'm like, oh, God, I can't do it. I can't do it. And the infrared sauna, infrared energy, that's like the sun's warming energy is infrared. It's electromagnetic radiation, which I love to talk about, which is the same as light. So infrared heat, basically, it warms your skin, but like the actual air isn't warm. I have um, my one useful fact. Don't ask me for more. <laughs> but this, yeah, this place, you had your own like little booth. So you, if you got too hot, you could like leave your booth and go like sit somewhere else. But, and there was a lot of water. So you drink a lot of water. There are different ideas about why it's good for you. I don't think, I mean, sweating, obviously, what you're sweating out, salt and probably urea, I think, and some other like bacterial sorts of yeah. foods, <laughs> things that I don't know, various things. You're sweating. You're sweating. So that's good. But I think so. a lot of the theory about why it's good for you, people talk about heat shock proteins. There's also something called a, basically, if you like stress the body a little bit yeah. by exercising or something, then it starts processes that make your body more resilient to stress and oh. fix itself, basically. There's actually a theory with radiation that that would be the same way that, and there's a name for it, and I can't remember what it is, but. It's like if you get a tiny amount of dose of something, of stress all the time, oh, okay. that that's good for you. But like a, like larger, a larger dose of stress is bad. Huh. Right. What's yeah. iocane powder? Oh, come on. From Princess, Princess Bride. Oh, from the Princess Bride, yes. Yeah. <laughs> You've spent the last years in an infrared sauna. I have. Up your I'm living under an infrared rock. <laughs> what is intermittent fasting? You tried that one, right? I did try that one. There are several different ways to do it. The most popular couple are... One is, I think, how many hours in a day? 16, 8, I think is what it's called, where you fast for 16 hours and eat all of your calories in eight hours. So it's basically giving your body enough time to start living off of its fat stores rather than constantly feeding it. Because when you're constantly feeding your body, you're insulin spiking. There's a lot of different things that are happening. And again, people don't really know what all of that means, but there's some indication that allowing your body to get into a state where it needs to burn fat for energy could be helpful. And also there's something called autophagy, which I was calling auto- <laughs> No wonder you. I autophagy? Calling, I was calling it autophagy for a long time because I- Because how would you know? Why that yeah, makes sense, yeah. but I guess it's called autophagy, which is basically when your cells eat themselves. It's like the survival of the fittest among the cells. That sound good. So the cells that are weakest- die off or get eaten or, you know, recycled. So it is good. So it is good for you, right? That's the idea is that then you are left with the strongest cells. And that's part of intermittent fasting as well. The other type of intermittent fasting, which is the one that I did, is the 5-2 diet, which is a little bit more extreme. I'm actually doing it right now, you guys. What? I didn't even You're just doing it again voluntarily? Well, I said that I would for the, when I was writing the article. I like that you held up, you kept that promise. I know. All those yeah. readers being like, Jackie's going to do this again. I trust her. And yeah. then she did do it I'm again. doing it right now. Yeah. I liked it because it's the kind of thing where, you know how, I don't know if you guys like, if you're controlling your weight or whatever, like you, both of you don't seem like you ever gain weight for anything. But like, if you gain a couple <laughs> of pounds then you're like, well, oh, guess I better eat healthy this week and right. like exercise a whole ton. Like, it's an easier way to do that for me, I feel like. You just pick two days and you go, I'm going to only eat 500 calories on those two days. And then the rest of the time... I how do you do it? Oh, it's only two but days how do you are do bad? It? So, yeah. So five, five days two, are normal? Five days you eat totally normally and two days you only eat that 500 seems okay. calories. 500 seems... 500 is calories is six, so extreme, though. Six cookies, my normal breakfast, and I'm I done had, for the day. I had a sushi roll and I might have like a snack later. 
Wow. All these fasting things are like the opposite of you, right? Because you kind of eat constantly. Yeah, which doesn't help anyway. (laughs) Here's the thing. It's funny. This is what's funny about it is like, do you remember when we were younger and people would always be like, you got to eat. If you're going to be healthy, you got to eat six meals a day. You constantly need to keep your energy. Like grazing was such a big thing. That was the thing. And then now, I mean, now this whole intermittent fasting is a thing. And like nutrition advice changes all the time. All the time. And I think that we need to be prepared that – Somebody might say, like, nope, that's really bad for you also. And I'm prepared for that. I don't know. It also I, seems very specific to a person. Like, what yeah. works for you may not work for Kevin or me. Yeah. And so it's we can't just decide, well, Jackie says 5-2 is perfect, and right. then it doesn't. Well, that's something that was interesting from the article because, for instance, I hated keto. Oh, my God. I, <laughs> I remember the, keto, Jackie. I tried yeah, the, we all remember keto, Jackie. <laughs> yeah. I tried the ketogenic diet and hated it so much. And also I got heartburn bad enough that I had to go to the doctor and go on a two-week course of Prilosec. And, and we just what's keto is a little bit like paleo, right? Keto is a little sort of like paleo. It is you're supposed to eat, I think, at least 75 percent of your calories from fat and then a moderate protein. So you, you can't have a ton. You can't go super Atkins and have like a ton of steak. And that oh, okay. so you have to keep your protein relatively low and then like an insanely low amount of carbs. So oh, I was going to say this sounds like you could still eat donuts, but then you throw no, the you carbs can. thing out no. there. I mean, it's part of what's so gross about it is the texture. You're eating mostly fat. So oh, like yeah, imagine yeah. what that's like. Your breakfast Yuck. is like an egg and some bacon and like an avocado, like a whole avocado. And that puts you pretty close to your protein for the day. So then oh, it's like, then, well, now what are you going to have? Yeah, what like else is just fat Coconut to eat? milk and macadamia nuts. That's your meal? That's for the day? That's I mean, what you would... No, I would have like a... But you'd have a lot of them. Like a spinach. So you could have a little bit. So what freaked me out was you you can go overboard on vegetables. And I think any oh, that diet seems... that says you can yeah. go overboard on vegetables is not a good diet. <laughs> but I mean, there is some evidence that it is neuroprotective for people who have seizures. And there are actually scientists studying this yeah. at Johns Hopkins, for example. So it can be good. Would I live that way? Absolutely not. So the thing about keto, I mean, it can work for some people, but also like it doesn't work for everybody. And some people messaged me about the story like on Twitter and they were like, keto's worked for me for three years. I've lost 50 pounds or whatever. And it's great. And I tried, somebody said I tried intermittent fasting once and it made me binge afterward. I hated it. So, I mean, this is super individualized and also it might change. So (laughs) try at your own risk, but it can be. Yeah. I had a roommate who did it and he did not take it as hard as you did. I really didn't like it. And I, when we talked to Molly Maloof, on the episode, as I'm sure some people have just heard, she basically she said, uh, you can starve your microbiome if you happen to have a healthy microbiome that likes fiber and you eat no fiber for two weeks, you're going to feel pretty crappy, which is how I felt. So Can we, just now that you've brought up your microbiome? Oh, yes. I just wondered, did you do something where you had to test, you had to discover what your microbiome was by sending a sample of a particular... I sure did. This is going to be a real dance-around conversation, Yeah, I would um, like to hear about that. So it's, <laughs> the organization I tried, or the company that I tried is called Viome. It's microbiome testing, which is actually, the microbiome, I think, is some of the most interesting biological science that's going on right now. It's still relatively unknown, but it is known that having a diverse microbiome with a lot of like a high That's count of bacteria. That's just the bacterial content of your guts? Is it's that the, microbiome? Yeah, right. Okay. It's the bacterial content of your guts that basically they break down your food for you. And they're breaking, depending on what you have in your gut, it's breaking it down into different things. So if I eat pomegranates, I know this because I had my microbiome tested. <laughs> if I eat pomegranates or spinach, my microbiome is turning those into beneficial molecules that help my body because I have a type of bacteria that can break those down into molecules that are useful. You might not have that. So 
They're, so I'd be wasting time by be, eating. Right. So not like wasting those, time, but but like those particular foods wouldn't be as beneficial for you as they would be for me. And everybody has a unique microbiome. In fact, there's actually some research going on that people could use it like a fingerprint, your microbiome. Oh. So the idea behind something like Viome is you eat in accordance with your most useful parasites' wishes, basically. So you <laughs> encourage the useful ones and discourage the less useful ones. Protect your – just protect everything kind of. Is, uh, it's The microbiome and whether yours is healthy is starting to be associated with things like cancer, the effectiveness of cancer drugs, multiple sclerosis. Alzheimer's, I mean, it's kind of like you really want to have healthy microbiome. That's like pretty important. The way you get it tested <laughs> is that, so the one that I tried, you do a glucose test. So a fasting glucose test, which means you don't eat all night. And then in the morning you take your blood and then you drink a challenge shake, which is really sugary. And then you take your blood again. At their labs, right? You can't, it's not a mail-in kit like a lot of those. No, this okay. is actually a mail-in kit. Oh, it um, is. Yeah. The other, I tried a different one that's not for your microbiome, but it's just for nutritional testing. And that is, uh, that's called Habit. And that one, I did have to go to their lab okay. because you're not allowed to ship blood around New York City. <laughs> um, <laughs> so for Viome, the second part of it is you have to poop in a bag. Basically, you... <laughs> You go to the bathroom, you, there's a little platform, and then there's a little, it's like a vial, and you take the spoon out of it, and you take an itty-bitty sample, and then you put it in the, the vial's full of a liquid, which I assume is like a fixative, yeah. and you shake it, you have to shake it for 60 seconds, so that's real fun, because there's I'll a make platform. Sure that, better make sure the cap's on all the way, <laughs> well, I guess. Like, there's a platform of crap next to you, oh, and yeah. it's like, oh. this is embarrassing. The thing about biohacking- You do this at work, It also right? seems no, like I not a very, I not the most my house. practical fingerprint. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> well, yeah, okay. Oh, but you know, you hear about like killers, for example, like Who taking just... a crap at the house where they killed somebody. Yes, that's true. Although I'm sure, is your DNA in crap? It must be. You no? Think? I don't know. I mean, right, probably some like... cells are sloughing off. Yeah. This year. Yeah, actually, that's one thing. The, uh, that's like, how much roughage you've had? I don't know. I actually know this. That uh, <laughs> okay. Viome, Viome told me that I had a low amount of DNA in my excrement. Which is healthy. You should kill some people. I should kill some people. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Nobody um, would know. No one would know. Because that's healthy because if you have a high amount of DNA in your excrement. Oh, if there's like blood. It's right. It basically uh, means that your, or yeah. your, your gut is not healthy and you may have like a leak, leaky gut syndrome. But what if it's like cells that have been autophaged? I mean, <laughs> I'm sure there's, I don't know enough science. So I, <laughs> I know I act like I know a lot of science. That is the limit of my science in, in terms of crap science. Yeah. But you, you liked this one. You sent in your sample. You got the thing back. And I then did, like did it. it a, did you change the way you ate or lived in um, some way? A little bit. I mean, I so ended up speaking to their director of medical science, like their medical director. And she told me some things, like she basically told me to stop eating cheese right before bed. She was like, it's basically starting this like chemical cascade that's really not that great for you. And like, I used to eat cheese before bed. That was like my thing. Did you tell her or she just knew you ate cheese before bed from looking at your bio? She said, do you eat a lot of like fatty things? And I was like, "Mm, I eat cheese before bed sometimes. And she was like, so yeah, like I can see that. And like, there were some things like that that I was like, what? How do you know? You know, and and I asked her at one point about a bacteria. I was like, what about this one? It's like this uh, roto something Baltica. And it was like a rare bacteria that not a lot of people have apparently. And she was like, yeah, it's, it's usually associated with the ocean and like marine stuff. And I said, well, I surf. Like, could it be something like that? And she said, yes, actually. And that surfers have completely different microbiomes than the general population. And there's actually oh. a study going on there's, a, of course, a surfer researcher out of, I think he's at UC San Diego, that's like trying to figure out how surfer bi- microbiomes are different than the general public, which I think is wild. But yeah, so like, 
she that definitely changed some of the information i got from the company said that parsley and lemons and beets are healthy for me and i've been trying to eat more parsley and lemons i hate beets oh they're terrible yeah they taste like sweet dirt they're bad they're they're terrible (laughs) sorry kevin i don't think they're so bad no i'm just (laughs) laughing that I never had them as a kid because my dad hated them so much. Like, they're just not in the house ever. But now I'm like, they're fine. They're not special. <laughs> but they but... might not be healthy for you is the thing. So you don't know. It might be something else. Yeah. You should, get your, you should go poop on Well, so there's a, there's, <laughs> there's a question I have. So, like, you've learned all these things. Like, when we t- – because we did talk to Maya Maloof earlier and she talked about experimentation. Yeah. Now that you know a lot more about yourself – because all the things you tested for the article were kind of prescribed things. Would you – is there, like, an experiment you want to run on yourself now? Yeah. I mean, like – I want to eat more fiber. I've always wanted to do that, I think, because I you read so many articles about how much lower the modern diet is in fiber and like how good that is for the microbiome. I definitely, I really liked sound baths, which, and I wish that I had a better meditation practice because I think that that is, there's a lot of evidence that that's good for you. And also I just like it. Like it feels really good in the moment. So I don't know if I like ate high fiber, more high fiber foods. And I actually have been eating more vegetables, I think, and more high fiber vegetables Hmm. since. But if I ate more high fiber foods and actually meditated and slept better, I think that that would be, yeah, that would probably be. What of all the things Jackie has talked about, which one would you be the most likely to do, Peter? I mean, the diet one sounded terrible. Horrible. Sleeping in the pool does sound comfortable, except I hate the idea of paying to fall asleep and then be woken up and kicked out. <laughs> I, should, I want to enjoy it a little more than that. My problem with all these is that I'm super skeptical that anything is really happening to me and that it's just a lot of excitement that I buy into, which might be fine anyway. If I feel like it worked, then great. Well, that is the thing. The placebo effect is real. So yeah. if you believe something works, it can make you feel better. I'm also very cheap. So I don't know. I mean, uh, would you, so would you do any of these? You could just like pour a bunch of salt in your bathtub. Perfect. That's <laughs> I've always wanted to do, I mean, that sounds, the floating I think is most likely, but it's mostly just because ever since I found out that people would go to the Dead Sea and just like float, they're on that vacation. Sound cool. It sounds so cool. Yeah. 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 I'm really dubious I mean, too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm generally skeptical. I actually took a, I've been doing yoga a lot lately. Which B- Buff yoga, right? Yeah, buff yoga. <laughs> well, I do buff yoga when I'm at work because oh, I want to impress all you guys. Didn't we talk about this in an ad? Is this one like the ads seep into the regular content again? I don't know. I just like whenever it's like, we can't do an interview then because Kevin has Kevin buff, buff yoga. yoga. Kevin has buff yoga. I have priorities. <laughs> but I, there's a yoga studio in my neighborhood that I go to on the weekends. And the class that was like best for my schedule recently was restorative yoga. But they were brought out crystals and gave everybody a crystal. And I just couldn't handle yeah. it. Oh, yeah. And, and But when they brought the bowl, people were like, oh. <gasps> <laughs> like she's like Give I don't remember what they're called now but she's like I have these special crystals and the people got so excited and I was just like I can't take in you like a seriously. month Kevin's gonna be wearing a crystal yeah, on like absolutely. a leather thong around his neck <laughs> and he's gonna be like guys I've gotten into restorative yoga and I'm going to Burning Man and I'm feeling very if I do please state an intervention <laughs> <laughs> no offense to Burning Man I know a lot of Burning Man people if you're a, a but some offense to people burner, who are into crystals Crystals. Call us and tell us why it works. There is zero evidence that crystals do anything. As the resident scientist around here, I'm going to go ahead and say that. But yeah, so have fun out there. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect ending. Hack hack thyself. Hack thyself. Yeah. Just don't do the CRISPR stuff that those weirdos do on TV. Oh, the CRISPR stuff is really don't do that. Really, really (laughs) don't do that. I interviewed Jennifer Doudna one time for who is one of the women, who's one of the people who is involved in discovering it. Because there's kind of like a debate over who discovered it first, but she's one of them. And she was like, it's important to like make sure that it's important to try new things with this technology. It's like really important 
for the future of humanity. Yeah. But also, like, don't, like, it's dangerous. And it's, you definitely, like, don't want to tarnish the reputation of it or your life by injecting yourself with it. Right. You know, like, it's not ready. Don't do that. Stick yes. with the salt baths. Stick with the yeah. salt baths. It seems maybe, much safer. Maybe try a diet or two if, if you're so inclined, but don't stab yourself in the leg with CRISPR. <laughs> or anywhere else. <laughs> if somebody listens to that, I'm like, well, I didn't do the leg. So we've been talking about biohacking, which is one form of experimenting on yourself or experimenting with your life. But we have somebody on staff who likes to experiment with the rest of his life and just kind of him whole self. All the time. Him whole self. Him, yeah. whole, him, whole, him whole Alex. <laughs> so I would call you, you're a pretty serious life hacker. I'll take any chance to get a perceived edge or advantage in some way, as long as it's like below a certain effort threshold. So yes, I find a lot of really creative ways to kind of be lazy. What are your favorite life hacks these days? So running for the September issue, I did a thing on technology for school. I generally think that a lot of stuff for education and like the idea of having all your textbooks on iPad is very beneficial. I dug really hard into note taking and trying out different apps, ones that have OCR or optical character recognition where you can handwrite and it'll take, you know, you'll be able to search for that word when you're looking through your notes and mm-hmm. it'll be able to tell like this chicken scratch said mitosis or whatever. I found it seems like there is a good consensus that handwriting is the best way to memorize something more so than that's um, how it is for me, for sure. Yeah, I've been I've wanted it to be another way. But the other element that keeps me so you'll see all of these ideas have a notebook that will go into an app on your phone or you can make it a PDF and send it whatever handwriting something and then typing it up again. It's the fastest way of memory reinforcement that I found. And it seems like there's pretty solid science to back it up. So I for all the high-tech nonsense that litters my desk, handwriting in a notebook and then retyping it, it's just I haven't found anything more effective than that. The other ones, too, this might be just a general one, is that I've dug into, I think, a lot of it, like the long-term effects of screen time and staring at screens, which we all pretty much do and will continue to do. The eye strain question, you know, like... Are oh, we, yeah. The one that seems to be... So, you know, they say every 20 minutes, look 20 feet away for 20 seconds or whatever. They have all these systems. I didn't know they said that, but... Oh, yeah, I've heard that before, too. And sometimes I try to do it and I, like, look out the window. I'm like, whoa, my vision's really fuzzy. And then I never do it again. My desk, the closest window I can look through is through my boss's office. (laughs) (laughs) Brian stands up and is like, Kevin, can I help you? (laughs) Yeah. So I've never had enough discipline to really remember to do that. But one thing that is a pretty uniform consensus is that... A lot of the eye strain that you get is from not blinking a lot. Like when you're staring at a screen, for some reason, it makes your eyes not blink. Oh, weird. You blink a lot less when you're looking at a screen. So you can look kind of like you're having an aneurysm. <laughs> that could be offensive. You could look like you're, uh, something is happening to you internally, like you're about to faint or whatever. But blinking more heavily tends to make my eyes not feel as terrible at the end of the day as they uh, normally do. You wear contacts, right? I wear contacts, yeah. I've been trying out some new... Some new version of direct-to-consumer contacts that they advertise as being like porous in some way that like gives you more oxygen to your eyes, mm-hmm. and apparently that's supposed to be. I'll report back on how that's. It's only been a couple of days with it, but well, do you wear them when you sleep? Because there's some pairs. I think my brother might have for a little while had a kind where it was like they were one week disposables or something, but you never had to take them out until you threw them out. That sounds insane. There's yeah. no way that can be good. No, for you. I don't think so either. This one will probably be if there's anybody who goes in the internet circles that I usually do. This will be old news, but this idea from of how to make your, hear this. making your phone grayscale. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard of this. This was a thing for a while. I One of my other friends did this, yeah. I think it's, it's a good ca- idea. I go back and forth between it. So at the idea, credit goes to this guy named Tristan Harris. He was, uh, what his job title at Google was design ethicist. And then he started making his, uh, he made his own company called Time Well Spent, non nonprofit. But the reason you keep hearing Mark Zuckerberg say that phrase a lot is mostly because of this guy, Tristan, of time well spent and companies that suddenly caring about curbing mobile addiction. The new, next version of iOS for the iPhone is going to have a version that keeps track of what apps you use, how much you use and all that. But the one trick that he, I think he first started talking about maybe last year was to set your phone to grayscale because the way a lot of, like the reason there's a lot of green and a lot of orange app icons is because you're tested that your eyes are drawn to colors the same way. Same reason like fast food chains are all those different, those same colors too. That's all it feels like sometimes, man. 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 We should all get rid of it, man. <laughs> Says our technology editor yeah. <laughs> at yeah. Popular Mechanics. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for telling us your life hacks. What's your next hack you're going to try? If you have any ideas for what you'd like Alex George to try, <laughs> oh, no. please yeah. let us know. He will probably do it. Oh, I regret you doing that, but yes, we'll, we'll give it <laughs> a, a shot. Great, this is a great recurring Next segment. up, self-defense <laughs> tools. No, seriously, it, is, it would be a great Alex recur- George tries your Alex life hack. Alex George tries your life hack. For today's testing table, we are all on cannabinoids. This is our trying out CBD hemp oil. We have some kind of strong stuff, Floyd's of Leadville, which is what I tried for my biohacking article. And it has 2.66 milligrams of CBD per drop. It has 1,200 milligrams, I think, per bottle. It has all these measurements on here. It's, we've had some issues of like looking at it and being like, wait, how many? There's yeah. math. I don't know. Why is this complicated? <laughs> so... Every time I take this, I've taken this, obviously, for the biohacking story, and now I've taken it again. I feel like I can feel it. And I tried it and was talking to some of our coworkers and was like, Alex. And Alex was like, no, CBD oil is not supposed to make you high. And, like, you're you're not supposed to feel it. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he can't feel it. He also has some, and he tried it, and he's like, I don't know, I can't feel anything. So I was like, maybe I'm crazy. But then we had some other folks in the art department, whom I will not name. Who tried it and liked it a whole lot, and both of them came. One of them came over to my desk and was like, "I'm high right now," and I was like, "Yes, I think that that." And so I don't know if it's like I mean, the idea behind CBD is it, it and there's a fair amount of research that it is prevents inflammation, and it's I mean, this is mostly in animals, but they're working on some in humans, but for kids with particular epileptic disorder, huh? So I mean, there's a lot of evidence that it could be good for you. This particular brand is supposed to be good for recovery from injury and from athletic i was in a lot of pain yesterday like yeah, my joint moving. pain was just really bad what did you and, move uh, just like my whole apartment like uh <laughs> it was it was a pain so it's crazy that, yeah so both eleanor and henry henry's in our fact checking department and eleanor is uh, an editorial assistant and both of them moved on july 1st hottest day of the which year was 98 <laughs> degrees in new york city yeah, it was and not great. that it was is crazy yeah so that's pretty rough so you feel better yeah. now? Yeah. I mean, my back is just not, you know, in pain. It's not a knot. And my legs aren't like crazy. Yeah. I mean, yesterday was pretty brutal. So yeah, just yeah. sitting at a desk, it was like, well, sitting at a desk was pretty brutal. Walking around was pretty brutal. There wasn't really anything that was <laughs> just like living. good. Just either. living. Just living. Yeah. Not the best. So yeah. I also, I woke up this morning. I think it actually hit me today rather than yesterday. I woke up this morning with like a really bad headache. I could fall asleep I believe it, right yeah. now, probably. I've been tired all day, but now I'm like, I feel more sleepy than exhausted right, right. now, which I would yeah. prefer. I'm a total caffeine addict. So like, 
this helps counterbalance the caffeine. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's interesting. So usually around this time, I'm just like, like really high strung and just oh. like working and in the moment because I'm like finally awake. Yeah. So, I mean, this stuff is actually kind of expensive. The one that I have right here, which is the 1200 milligram, it's a CBD tincture. It is $85 oh, wow. for this little bottle. Um, Thanks for sharing. But you really don't need a lot. Yeah. One of our art coworkers who went and bought themselves some, I'm not going to to say who. No clues here. No clues here. <laughs> Swears by two drops of it. Okay. Um, and has said that after a while, you do get tolerance a little bit. Yeah, so, I can see that. But I mean, I do wonder what's going to happen with them figuring out like the legalization rules and whether it makes people high or not. Because I would not want to drive a car right now. No, but I also feel like I have more mental acuity than... Than if you were I, actually high. Right. Yes. Yeah. Like, I could still function. I don't think I would want to operate machinery, but I don't <laughs> think, like, if you put me in the middle of New York and, like, spun me around, I'd be able to find my You'd way be home. Fine. Yeah. Well, I'm about to go home, so I, I <laughs> we'll hope, find I hope out. That that's accurate. <laughs> yeah. I have some gnarly hips. That's I'm just going to call them the old gnarly hips. <laughs> old gnarly hips, Detweiler. That's me. So definitely, like, I've got, I should try it when I'm having, like, because they, they get achy after yeah. I run a lot sometimes, and maybe I'll try that. Yeah. Because I don't really, I don't really take a lot of Advil either. Generally speaking, I just don't want to take anything. I'm like, ah, I'm fine. Yeah. You know, I take way but, too much Advil. So, yeah. So maybe yeah. you should switch to CBD. CBD, yeah. So That's okay. a nice, like, olive oil-like taste. It tastes, uh, <laughs> I was thinking green tea. Yeah. Green I tea, used to yeah. take flaxseed and it tastes like that to me. Huh. Yeah. So the way we always end this is, would you buy this? Henry? Oh, yeah. You would? Yeah. And Eleanor? It was like 80-something dollars. Yes. I they do have some cheaper ones. There, If you get the 600 milligram, which is, I guess, half the size, it's 55. Mm, well, clearly the bigger size is a yeah, better get a deal. Price, right. Yeah, I would buy it because yeah. I don't think I would use it that much. Right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we've had this. I was doing that story a few months ago, and we've been very generous in sharing, and it is only about – what, 20% Right. Gone? I'm also, like, now doing the mental calculations of how much I drop on Advil at CVS and, like, it, it would balance out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. How many doses is supposed to be in the bottle? I think it depends how much you use, but so like four, it says it has 450 drops. 450 so if drops. you were to use good. two drops, then yeah. you have 225 doses. See, look, I'm, I can still do math on it. So. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That's all the recommendation you need, isn't it? <laughs> So that's our show. The Most Useful Podcast Ever is produced by the staff of Popular Mechanics and edited by Brandcasters, Inc. at www.brandcastingu.com. We'd like to thank Sarah Bentley and Andy Bowers from Panoply and Popular Mechanics Editor-in-Chief Ryan D'Agostino. Please subscribe to our show on iTunes, and while you're there, leave us a comment. We'd love to know what you think. And if you want to read more about life hacks, projects, and science and technology, check out our website, popularmechanics.com. While you're there, you can subscribe to the print and digital edition of Popular Mechanics magazine for just $13.99 a year. I'm Jacqueline Detweiler. Thanks for listening.